This is Energy of Business Moments with Michael Seip, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their business success into your life and business. Energy of Business Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Michael Seip. Hey there, everyone. Michael Seip here, host of the Strategic Advisor Board Energy of the Business Moments podcast. Today on our show, we have Nina Cashman of Pave Your Way. Nina is one of my favorite people because A, she was my coach trainer when I became a coach, and she's been a great mentor, business advisor, and just a wonderful friend. So Nina, I am thrilled to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for that really nice introduction, Michael. I so appreciate that. It's nice to be with you. Yeah, great to have you here and talk. And, you know, the title of this podcast is called Energy of Business Moments. And so as a core energy coach, both of us as core energy coaches, we deal with a lot of people's personal energy and companies or businesses energy. And so why don't we do this? Why don't we tell us a little bit about your business and we'll talk then about like the energy that we are focusing on for businesses or for people in particular. So Beautiful. tell us about your business. So I love the synergy of how this is timed because this week so happens to be my eight-year anniversary of starting Pave wow. Your Way. And there have been lots of ups and downs in those eight years <laughs> Lots of energetic moments, we'll call them, all different sorts in those eight years. Um, but here we are eight years later with a lot of learnings. And um, I'm so excited to be able to talk about it this week of all weeks, because uh, it's kind of nice to reflect upon where it all started and, and where I am today. I may have missed the question just because I'm so uh in the moment with that, with with the anniversary, um, but I'm sure we'll get to it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Eight years is something wonderful to celebrate, right? And and so we do have to, in business, celebrate those moments. But what got you started in yeah. being a coach and, and where are you today with your business since then? So uh, a couple things got me started. Um, I would say the, the key driver to me getting started was the recognition that some very personal values were not being serviced in my life as I was charging the world of advertising and marketing. Before I had kids, you could have seen me and I probably would have considered myself a very career-driven person. And those around me probably would have seen me that way too, very ambitious. A lot of my identity was probably tied into my career successes and then I had children and everything changed. And the, the the world I had created was not really aligning with the new world. And it even baffled me. Um, suddenly being a mother and being a leader in my family seemed to take precedent, precedence over um, getting the next promotion or landing the next account or launching the next product, that sort of thing. Or getting accolades at work, really, which I which I think externally, that's that's really what fed me. Um, and so that was the key driver was just recognizing that something 
had to change uh, and, and feed me in a way that, yeah, well, there's a part of me that does like to work and that's just how I tick and I want to honor that. And at the same time, there was a new part of me that formed that really likes being a mom and wanted to be around my kids much more than I knew I was going to be if I stayed on the track. So I blended the best of both worlds. What I liked the most of what I used to do was leading and managing. And I realized a lot of people did not like managing. Uh, I actually did like managing. I preferred stepping back and watching other people do really well, uh, especially towards the end. Um, and I also liked being a mom. And that that led me pretty quickly to coaching, although I didn't even know coaching really existed until it kind of found me. And then I realized that hmm, I could be good at this. So that's kind of where it all started. Yeah, great story there. It's always fascinating how we can learn about what changes and causes to have a sort of a major life pivot, especially career-wise. And, and those changes that you had were significant enough to then open a whole new door for you and maybe even pave your own way. So tell me a little bit about Pave Your Way and where it is today. So after eight years, uh, it, it started out as a business in my basement. Literally, I took <laughs> over. I took over this dungeon style office that kind of gathered dust where we would pay the bills downstairs. And I took that over and had some of my first client calls down there in that dungeon for about two years until we moved out and then remodeled this house. And then I got a nice office, uh, which was definitely a treat and, and was earned by then. That was four years in business. Um, yeah, but where I started was I remember being thankful that I was able to earn half of my previous income the first year independently. So uh, I, it's not like I was making more that first year. I the, the point was I was making every penny on my own and somehow that mattered, that mattered. And I knew that if I could make one penny on my own, that I could make several pennies on my own, which would amount to several dollars, which would amount to several hundreds, to thousands, to hundreds of thousands. Um, and so now where I am today is it, it, it even extends beyond me. It, it's not just me who services our clients. I work with a great team of people. I have a couple of great coaching partners who I really trust and really love to work with. And we service our clients together. And we also do a lot of corporate training as well. And I still love to do my, my work with IPEC, which is where I met you, Michael. So all of that developed within the last eight years. And when I started, I remember walking out of the office of my old building, wondering if it could ever work. So vast difference, I would say, between now and then. Yeah, it's interesting when we talk about our journeys. Sometimes those journeys um, are, are to really just build momentum. And you talked about a sense of accomplishment uh, in your old role before being a mom. And then now that sense of accomplishment meant 
Okay, starting with pennies and then getting to a dollar and, you know, moving on up to the point where you are today, where you've built up that momentum to have a staff, if you will, or a team that you work with. And so it wasn't just pennies anymore. Now we're talking about something much larger. And so that sense of accomplishment, one, obviously great kudos for doing that, but two, to have some perseverance to go through all the challenges a small business owner or business uh, will have. So let's talk a little bit about energy now and talk about, you know, the thoughts we think plus the emotions we feel plus the actions or behaviors we take. That's our core personal energy, right? And so for you, um, you've probably seen some low moments personally, and then you've probably seen some as a coach as well. So how about we talk about a couple of those? Yeah. Where, which ones do you want to start with? Because I got them all. <laughs> I bet. How about you start with yourself? Like what was a low moment for you in your business? Okay. Yeah. I think one of the most challenging experiences I've been through that really put coaching to the test for me. In other words, here I was working with executives in their worlds on leadership issues and then I found myself when I first brought on partners dealing with my own leadership issues. And I think one of the lower moments and, and a great learning as I reflect back when I first took on partners, and they really are partners. I don't consider them staff members. We partner together. This is very much kind of a, a contractor world, which is an interesting dynamic as well to what I do to, to practicing. Um, but I really consider those I work with to be great peers, people who I trust as much as I would trust myself to put in front of a, a client. Um, when I first went down that road, um, I brought seven people on, <laughs> which wow. it, quite honestly was a big undertaking. But somehow I thought, you know, you don't work perfectly with everyone. So, you know, probably a few will stick around. Um, and there were some tough moments within that. Uh, really tough moments that really made me have to confront my own energy and confront the way I lead and also recognize that sometimes I didn't want to honor the fact that I was frustrated by some interactions. I found it difficult at times to want to be assertive when I thought something was um, not aligned with what we had agreed upon. And, and, and what it did is it sometimes caused me to prolong situations that probably could have been nipped in the bud earlier had I just acknowledged that, yes, I was frustrated or no, it's actually not working. And even though I'm a coach and I would prefer to, you know, see things with optimism and see everything as an opportunity, sometimes the opportunity is to recognize when something is dysfunctional and, um, and just to acknowledge that. Uh, so I can say going through that process because interpersonal things tend to be very important to me. I like getting along with people. Um, so going through a couple of those rocky moments, I got to say was, a, was a low for me. I don't like when, when relationships, uh, aren't flowing. And there were moments when they weren't, uh, when, when I worked with seven people and it makes me all the more proud today, truthfully, to have the, the team of people who I do find myself surrounded by, because I think it took a lot of 
uh, development and growth to be able to get there. Um, and and also a, a, an ability to develop my own assertiveness as a leader, which ironically is one of the things that I'm working on with people all the time. And yet, yet I found myself being put to the test, which almost made the test all the harder because there was also a lot of self-judgment going on. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, here I am every day working with other leaders with their team dynamics. And I've got team dynamics of my own that I'm having trouble confronting. So those were those, there were some rocky times in there. And by the way, Michael, I could give you so many other stories. Over eight years, when you start your own thing, I've had a lot of lows, uh, but then I've also had a lot of highs. And right. I think um, it's just a matter of of accepting and almost expecting that there's going to be some challenges. Yeah, I think that is spot on because you know we we can conceptualize and go, hey, I I know that if I have adversity, I can deal with it. And then when we're faced with it, it's, we not, may not even recognize it. And, and so I love how you basically one recognize your frustration, right. And that, that, that also then triggered the next thing, which was a little bit of self-judgment, like, all right, I'm doing this coaching here for these very issues. And yet at the same time, I'm dealing with it myself. So what would you say was what you learned out of that energetically, you know, from a pathos perspective for others who are going through similar challenges? Yeah, for me, and everyone's on a different path. uh, For me, the lesson seems to be, as as I reflect upon it, to practice what I preach, which is learning not to judge energy and to utilize um, to observe emotions, especially repeated emotions, instead of pretending that, nope, not feeling this. Mm-mm. I see everything through the lens of opportunity, you know, and sweeping it under the rug. Right. Um, and, and it also taught me that, you know, the, there, there are vast benefits sometimes to acknowledge misalignment with, with another person. Um, even if it means not working together anymore, Mm -hmm. that can actually be a productive step for both. That is the opportunity sometimes. And for me personally, I think that was a really important lesson because as I said, I have a tendency and have had a tendency to want to lead through collaboration all the time. Um, and, and, and it sometimes makes me bend and flex unreasonably with those who just are showing they don't want to collaborate mm-hmm. um, instead of recognizing that, respecting that, and instead of trying to cater uh, to someone who does not want to step into that same flow to just recognize it and then get assertive about it and call a spade a spade and, um, and move on in mm-hmm. some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's easy to say, but for someone who really values relationships, it can be very hard to act on. And, and it was hard for me in some cases to act on, recognizing in a few cases where it just wasn't working. Yeah, that makes sense where you in that space where when someone wants to create an environment where collaboration is the norm, being able to deviate from what we want 
to address the situation at hand can be very uh, challenging, right? And um, and I do see that myself as well, where you see s- some leaders that are great at team building, but then there are one or two people that are not part of the team. And then the question becomes, how do we make you part of the team? Well, that may not be the answer, right? It, there may be something else that that needs uh, addressing and and maybe as a leadership role, being assertive and, and working that thing out or not. So um, how about we talk about some of those examples that you've seen of other companies that have had sort of low moments and then how did they energetically shift their perspective to not necessarily always opportunity, but maybe how they shifted that that made a big difference for them. Yeah, you know, I see um, I see similar stories transpiring transpiring a lot with some of my clients, where uh, oftentimes in in the corporate world there can be a um, infusion, maybe between what level three is, the the energy of responsibility and cooperation, tolerance, uh, control, um, and the energy of say level five, where we are um, stepping more into uh, reconciliation and peace and wisdom. And that, that's really where true collaboration happens. And I think sometimes what I witness with teams is uh, a tendency to want to avoid confrontation or a tendency to want to sidestep directness of what you're really feeling and instead just show up with a smile on your face and act as if everything's okay when you actually don't feel it's okay. And um, when you do that, that's bringing an energy of false positivity to a group, which in turn others feel, and it creates a lot of mistrust. Whereas if we can all step into the courage of speaking truthfully about how we are experiencing things um, and extend that courtesy to others and invite them to be honest and speak openly, then we can start actually having a dialogue and we can begin to reconcile differences as opposed to sweeping differences under the rug and continuing to judge them. And that's where true collaboration happens. And it can be very hard to get there because speaking our truth uh, requires exposing yourself in some cases. And it does take courage to do that. Um, And there is again this misnomer that being positive all the time is the is the qualities of a great leader, um, and, but th- that type of leadership is not necessarily garnering great results. Uh, it makes the person who's behaving that way feel good, but it usually doesn't make the people around them feel very good because again they have mistrust. They don't feel like they can expose how they really feel when their leader refuses to expose their truth. And that's something that I find, especially in team environments that I'm working on with people quite a bit, is just recognizing that argumentation, for instance, is not the same as arguing and um, brushing things under the rug with a smile on your face uh, does not actually address real dynamics and move a team forward. And high-performing teams don't have time to sweep things under the rug. Things ought to be addressed. 
And there's a way to address things without taking things personally. And that's really a, a zone where we want to operate as leaders. And yes, it can be easier said than done, which is why coaches exist, which is partly why I have a job, Michael, and you too. <laughs> right, right. Well, I love the aspect of, of when you say brush under the rug, you know, there level three, that responsibility, but to, to get to the collaboration piece is extending the courtesy when there are disagreements, right? Extending the courtesy to have a discussion about why they're being the way they are, why a person is taking the stance that they're taking. Um, how do people, how do high-performing teams in those environments um, create that openness so that people will share? Like, what are the techniques that somebody might use to get an elicit um, honesty and, and openness? Well, I think the first part is it's a two-way stream. If one person always feels like they're exposing themselves um, amidst those who refuse to, mistrust can easily build. So um, it almost seems like, like regular exercising of it can be useful. And the, the, the leader by title, everyone is a leader. The leader by title can often play a great role in that. Um, by giving people permission to disagree mm. and, and making that an open forum. I once worked for a great leader who literally told us um, that she was tired of coming to our leadership team meetings, uh, going around the circle and updating each other on what we were working on. She wanted to hear some real discussions and she didn't want to meet again until we were prepared to do that. <laughs> And it changed the dynamic of our meetings. Others were allowed to weigh in with their points of views on what we were working on because she basically didn't just give us permission. She basically begged for it so that those meetings were worth our time. I think other people on the team, influencers, can really model that as well. Those who have the courage to speak up can also begin to model it. Um but how else you build it? Uh, it does take trust. So, so recognizing one of the ways to build trust on a team is to um, use different different methodologies. There's so many ways to do this, but recognize that people do have different styles, and different styles um, can be appreciated, not just pointed at. Mm -hmm. um, differences are not something to shame. Differences are oftentimes usually something to celebrate. And um, but but it's easy for us to make interpretations about a style that's different than ours and immediately go to judgment mm -hmm. because we're we're all kind of prone to do that. Oh, this person works differently than me in this way, and therefore that must be bad. Instead of no, this person works really differently than me in that way. And Maybe I could leverage that if they're willing to collaborate and if they're willing to speak up. If they're not willing to collaborate and speak up, then it might be a good time, again, to face the music and, and ask, what are we even doing together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. Well, thank you for those perspectives, right? And what I find interesting, too, right, is, is when you do develop that trust and then, there's, then that collaboration starts happening. Um, so what are some up moments in businesses that you've seen where they were at that lower level and then they they moved higher. What were some examples that you can think of right now that were reflective of that? 
Yeah. Well, this is one of the things I love about one-on-one coaching, because as much as I also love workshops, I found where some of my greatest success stories with teams in the corporate world came from one-on-one work, where we didn't just have a cool conversation in a workshop that was supported by one-on-one work with each individual in in an environment where that person was with a neutral, non-judgmental force, aka us, a member of my team or me, that gave them that space to explore their own judgments, uh, their own belief systems, and how it's working or not working on their own, uh, without concern that anyone is there to judge them. Sometimes vulnerabilities have no place to come out. And the only way trust can really be built on a team is if someone learns to trust themselves. And that requires some intimate individual work, which is one of the powerful aspects of one-on-one coaching. I love group coaching too. There's something about one-on-one coaching though that I have found to create the greatest, most impactful, most long-lasting shifts in the people who we work with because change doesn't happen out here. Uh, ultimately, that's that's where we'd like to see the results um, is out here. We'd like to see the results externally in order to achieve external results. So it starts with us. It, we have to get internal. And that internal work is not necessarily going to happen when the eyes of the team are watching you or when your boss is watching you or even when you're, you, you can't even dig in that deep and it's your family because let's face it, people live busy lives and it's not like you can sit around and explore the depths of your consciousness with your partner or your spouse or, or your children or your mom or dad or whatever it is, or your dog, <laughs> maybe some of you do, but the format of one-on-one coaching really brings that out. And that's where I've seen so much shift when it comes to trust. If people can build that individually, they begin to bring it to their teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great point. What would be one of those impactful moments or shifts that you've seen? I only have, I can only choose one, <laughs> or two, or three. Or but one, yeah, what what comes to mind? Or, or yeah, let me go through the scrolls of um of some of the great situations that I had. Uh, sometimes in my world, I deal a lot with imposter syndrome, where um, I'll be working with a leader who uh, is seen as a high performer in terms of what they're capable of. And um, because maybe a position they were put in is new, they come into it with some very normal imposter syndrome. And I'm thinking of one example in particular where a woman I worked with was put into a position of VP of marketing for a company that was about to be acquired by a publicly traded uh, company. And, And she knew this. And so there was a little bit of fear of competition of what that acquisition would entail. And would she be up to snuff her car to keep her position when that happened? And also just being new in that leadership role, sitting at a new table, so to speak, with other senior leaders and also managing some people who used to be her peers. So there was a lot of imposter syndrome. And the way that was showing up for her was through overcompensation uh, that showed up to her team as very controlling, almost erratic behavior. 
because internally she felt um, she felt fairly intimidated by her new position, um, understandably, and fairly insecure because she hadn't built uh, a name for herself yet in that role. She then showed up in a way that um, was out to prove something. And people felt that out to prove. And, and what was so interesting is the amount of energy it took for her to prove herself in that way was exhausting for her. So it also, it, not only was she stressing everyone else out around her, she was stressing herself out. And so this imposter syndrome was becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy, which as you know, often happens in energy because our thoughts generate feelings, which generate actions, which generate our results, which then validate our thoughts, right? It becomes right. this like circle. Never ending cycle, yeah. Right. But to give her the space of being able to process what was happening and why, and, and also just to be able to recognize, was it even working? And the answer was no. I'm, 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 making people, I'm, I'm stirring up conflict sideways. I'm stirring up conflict with my team. Um, I'm going home exhausted. I'm stirring up conflict then at home because I'm exhausted. It's not working. So what would happen if I just let go, trusted myself in what I can and cannot do, was more open when I don't know the answers to questions, um, allowed myself to, to not always have to be in the lead and let others who can contribute lead and not always prove myself, then what would happen? And it was a major shift. And by the way, it's, I think it's another example of the difference between managing and manipulating and control, which often happens at energy level three, versus not learning how to not take things personally um, learning how to approach things through the lens of curiosity instead of needing to control it. You, you approach it with curiosity. You're seeking the win-win, not I have to be right. So it was learning to kind of up-level her approach from, say, a 2-3 style that was showing up, level 2 being really more of the place of conflict, um, 3 being the zone of responsibility, to more of a 4-5, even sometimes 6. How can I be of service? What's happening here? Let's get curious. Where's the solution to also flow, synthesize with the company and, and the world around me instead of competing with other people's talents, figure out how to leverage them and synthesize with them. Mm -hmm. By the time we were done, that was a that was a 12 session uh, deal, which which most most of our one on ones are. She was a new person. Um, and what I was ha most happy for her was, um, was, uh, she just enjoyed life more and the acquisition happened. She kept her job and continued to thrive. So. Wow. That's a great story. And I'm sure it strikes with so many people because we've all been in those situations where we wonder whether we're really up to the position we have. And so that sort of imposter syndrome can be even in a small degree holding us back and or causing a behavior that isn't normally like us so um i love that story because it presents a context of how we can be challenged and then how it's possible to actually shift out of that energetically and become the person we used to be or become a whole new person so great great story i love that i love that you brought up quickly michael 
um, the fact that we all do experience imposter syndrome. And that's a really important point. One of one of my most favorite aspects of being a coach is just recognizing how similar we all are. Every time I, I work with another human being, I realize how similar we all are. Mm-hmm. And even getting back to my own journey or your journey, going down this path of even what we do, you think we don't experience imposter syndrome? Uh, that's what I reflect on this week as I think about where I was when I left my organization back in 2014. I laughed about it recently online because it was actually on Halloween. <laughs> and I was wearing a costume on the last, like I dressed up in a costume. And it dawned on me this week that isn't that ironic? Because I remember leaving that building, a job I loved, feeling like I was wear- about to wear a costume to leave that world of advertising and marketing where I had built some credibility to now go into personal development, I felt like an imposter. I felt as ridiculous as the costume I was wearing on that day. Yet somehow I knew inside that it would lead to, uh, I, I knew somewhere inside without evidence that it was the right move, but you better believe that I felt like an imposter. Um, and the question is, what are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the imposter that's there? Or are you going to follow that gut, that will that also knows that you can figure anything out? And that's a lot of the work we're doing with our clients because we all we all deal with imposter syndrome, as you said. Yeah. I'm glad you you hammered that in because that's totally true. And, uh, and it's individual. And then everybody else seems to go through that at times as well. Yeah. Great point. Um Nina, what what other things have you noticed about uh, business that might show up fairly often that businesses struggle with? Yeah. Um, well, communication, <laughs> communication is it just it is. It's amazing how one of the simplest things that can make teams work better is um, being clear about expectations and feedback. Mm -hmm. It it is mind-blowing to me. I'll I'll be working with a lot of clients. Yeah, well, the team didn't do this or that. Okay, so how did you communicate your expectations? Uh, Then there's like a pause. And I think what happens maybe because the world is so fast-paced Because you know what to do, you just kind of assume everyone else around you knows what to do. And what we forget is that what is innate to to us as individuals is often not innate to everyone around us. Because again, people have different styles. People, what and, and what's innate to people around you is not innate to you. And this is where communication is so key. Perfect example, case in point. I can say this about one of my partners who's so hilarious. My background is advertising and marketing. We recently had a launch for a career transition program that we do. And um, I would post it. I'm a former marketer. So like, I know if you post something that's your product, you engage with the post, right? Like, especially if you're tagged in it. Um, and then I realized my partner, who's just never on social media, doesn't have a, so, uh, a marketing background, 
um, just doesn't think that way. And so it's like, oh, well, I have to communicate, you know, like, hey, when during this launch, when we post about this particular service and I tag you on it, you know, will, will you engage with it too? Or like spread the news somehow. Uh, and that that was so useful. When I did communicate that, everything clicked and, and we, we motored through perfectly. Um, so I think we just have to recognize that what's innate to you is not always innate to everyone else. And really, it might take a few more seconds, but send an email, communicate it. If you want someone to perform at a certain level, then do them a favor and tee them up for success by letting them know clearly what your expectations are. We are setting people up for failure when we're not taking the time to uh, communicate what we expect, but yet we penalize people for not meeting our expectations. And I see that happening so much. And it is such a simple solve, such a simple solve. But what I'm realizing is because it does happen so much, what I'm realizing is that there's, there's probably a lot of reason behind it. And it's that we're all moving so fast. The world is very fast paced. And I think we just sometimes forget that we've got to clarify certain things. So mm-hmm. that would probably be the biggest one I would point out. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, you think too, as, as somebody who's the one who asked a task to be done, right? If, if we recognize that, oh, maybe we didn't communicate as well as we should have, Okay, well, then I can cut that person a little bit of slack rather than chewing their head off because they didn't do what I thought intuitively they knew to do. So um, so that that's another form of being aware of not only those around us, but we're aware of ourselves and recognizing that, hey, a part of the work is inner work as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, Nina, uh, I asked this question of all of our guests. If you could meet anybody, deceased or living, who would that be and why? I'm going to go with what just came into my heart immediately. Uh, If I could have gone to a Bob Marley concert when he was alive, I think I would just be riding on a cloud. Uh, there's something about that human being and the music he put into the world that brought so much um, understanding, uh, connection between different cultures. Um, he is the ultimate high vibration in my mind, uh, the ultimate high, high vibration. And, um, and also someone who just emulates uh, pure authenticity um, through his music and uh, just who he seemed to be visually in pictures. And when I, when I've heard limited, uh, words out of his mouth that weren't songs. Uh, so that's what flies in just to be able to go. I don't even know that I would have to talk to him for very long because his music speaks so much to me already. Uh, uh, He's deceased and he still is able to get, get to me and the music never gets old, even though it's so overplayed. Right. It just still, like, if you're in the summer sitting outside and you hear a Bob Marley song, it just moves me somehow. And to be able to have that power on the war in the world and to be able to use your art form and your gift to be able to move people's hearts tells me you must be a really powerful person. So to be in his presence while he's on stage 
doing his thing would have been uh, quite the experience, I would think. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I love how you painted the picture of why he is so influential and has such meaning to you. And and like you, basically what you're saying is he created not only at that time, but here today, a certain energy around his work and his presence that is lasting and it's sort of timeless. So what a wonderful example. I, I love that one. That's great. So Nina, if people want to get a hold of you or your company, how can they do that? Ah, thank you for asking. So the best way is our website, which is easy to remember. It's paveyourway.com. <laughs> exactly how it sounds. Um, P-A-V-E, yourway.com. That would be the best way. And there's a way to contact us through the website. Awesome. Great. Well, Nina, it's been an absolute treasure to have you on the show today and having the discussion we did and highlighting some of those great things about shifting our energy and the value it gets. And so um, what a what a great environment to, to have you together here on a podcast. So that now it's a little evergreen and people can learn and continue to grow themselves down the road. So thanks for being on the show today. Oh, thanks so much for suggesting it and having me, Michael. Great. All right. We'll have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to Energy of Business Moments with your host, Michael Seip. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we will see you on the next episode.